The Bible says that the church is a group of believers that can unite for purposes that God puts into their life. Whether it's temporary or whether it's long-term, it doesn't matter. The church is not a building. It's rather a group of people filled with the Holy Spirit that want to serve God and do what he puts on their heart to do. Um, so I'm just going to give you, you know, two simple ways that we can do this, and Becca's got one as well. Um, the first one, the, uh, ch- the Christmas child boxes that get sent over, I believe, to Africa. Um, great way just to fill them full of goodies that children um, wouldn't otherwise get if it wasn't for you taking a half an hour of your time and spending 15 bucks. Um, so there's a bunch back there. And Becca's got another one. <coughs> You know, yeah, I could talk a lot about what the Bible says about helping out the orphans. Um, It's really on God's heart. Uh, The last one um, is an opportunity to help somebody that goes to church here. Her name is Randy Martz. Um, You got that slide, Michael? Um, We're having a benefit dinner for her November 30th and December 1st. Um, She received or somehow developed a blood clot uh, in her brain like two months ago. Uh, she's a single mom of two kids, and she's unable to work right now due to the ramifications of the blood clot. Um, and so in coming up with this idea, I contacted a good friend of mine. His name is Benjamin Klinkle. He owns Tally's in Delmonico, and he desired to just throw a full-on benefit dinner for her at Delmonico. Um, and due to the way that he sees his life and his business, it's not his, it's God's. He's donating everything. And so what's going to happen, we're going to have two different meals three-course wine provided. Um, All benefits go to Randy to help her with the essentials of life. Um, So feel free to come and talk to me if you have more questions, or you can just contact Delmonico. Um, They're the ones handling the reservations. It's $50 per person, um, which is under what Delmonico would actually charge for providing the meal that they're providing. So um, I'll also put something on Facebook that gives you a link to Randy Martz's uh, Caring Bridge so you can read her story and her heart towards God through everything she's going through. So. Awesome. So before we uh, <coughs> jump into uh, Mark 4, let's just take a moment and kind of hit the reset button and just pray. Um, that's why we're here, is to hear from God. Uh, God, thank you for creating today, for allowing the sun to rise and uh, just giving us beautiful weather to boot. Um, We set aside the next 45 minutes um, for you. That's why we're here, because you are our priority. Uh, I ask that you would bring what only you can bring to a situation. Uh, That's why we're here. Not because of me, not because of the music, um, but because of you. Amen. Okay, so um, to start off, I want to ask you just a couple questions. One's to kind of get you thinking. Do you desire to know what God has to say to you right now? By God, I mean the all-powerful, eternal creator of everything we know. Do you desire to know what he has to say to you right now? You know, it's maybe a simple question, but think about who, who this individual is that we seek advice from. 
the reason that you have breath in your lungs and blood in your mind or blood in your veins and thoughts in your mind is because he allowed it to happen. He put everything in play and he allowed today to occur. Do you desire to know what he has to say to you? Do you desire to know his answers for your questions? We all got them. Do you desire to know his answers for your life, why he created you, what your purposes are? Do you want to know what God's will is for the rest of your day? You know, the next four hours you're awake, five hours you're awake, tomorrow morning? Just allow that to kind of just sit in your mind while, while we continue. You know, at the end I'll ask that question again with a little different spin on it. Hopefully um, chapter 4 and Mark will kind of give us some answers to how we get that. <clears throat> So today, um, tonight we're going to be work, walking through Mark 4, chapter 4, verses 1 through 34, um, with the idea of looking at Jesus is a guide to those who listen. Jesus is a guide to those who listen. And what we have here is essentially a um, grouping of three, four different parables. You know, this, there's only one other parable that Jesus tells in Mark. That means that this is not just a listing of random parables, but rather a section in Mark's book where he desires the readers to learn a specific truth about parables and why Jesus taught in parables. Kind of a bigger picture thing we're going to approach here. So the first and most obvious reason that Jesus uses parables is to present a deeper idea in a way that people can relate to and possibly understand. You know, as in terms of a definition, parables are defined as a simple story used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. So you guys grew up in elementary schools where we were taught fables, right? Or you, somebody read to you Mother Goose and all the fables in there. So give me an example of a fable. You're close enough. I can see you. I know I can hear you. What's a fable? Eh, getting close. Think about, usually has like animals or various items that are well-known that do something that we can gain a lesson from. Think about like a rabbit and a tortoise. Anybody know one? Alice in Wonderland, yeah, big one. How about the grasshopper and the ants? Any connection here? No? You guys are taught so poorly. So think about the rabbit and the tortoise starting off the starting line and they're running the race. And who ends up winning it? The tortoise. Why? Yeah, so you get a deeper lesson there, right? And the grasshopper is hanging out, doesn't care about stocking up for winter, but what are the ants doing the whole time during the summer and the fall? They're doing that. And then winter hits, what happens to the grasshopper? Right? So you guys know these. So this is, those are fables, very similar to parables. Um, we'll look at Mark 4, 1 through 9, so you can understand exactly uh, what a parable is. We should have it up there for you too. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. Speaking about Jesus, such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the sea and sat there while the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He began to teach them many things in parables. And in his teachings, he said to them, listen, all right, here's the parable. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path and the birds came up and ate it. Other seed fell onto a rocky ground where it did not have much soil and it sprang up quickly since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. 
Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seeds fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And he said, let anyone with ears hear to listen. All right, so they use the things that he spoke about things that were common to people listening so that they could picture a deeper philosophical lesson. It turned the intangible temporarily into the tangible. Regardless of whether they were truly listening so that they could be open to a deeper truth, they could walk away remembering a story that they could repeat, even though they had no idea of the true meaning. I love what this says about Jesus' desires. He wanted to teach the common man. He came to bring life-changing truth to all people, regardless of their intellect or their education. Don't let anybody ever tell you anything differently. His heart is for all people. But as we continue to read Mark's writings, we see that parables also had another purpose. You know, as useful as a parable or a fable can be, without a deeper explanation, there is no way to know what the deeper truths are unless they're explained to us. Right? If somebody wouldn't sit down and tell you, all right, tell me about the tortoise and why he won. What characteristics did he have? What about the rabbit? Right? If somebody wouldn't unpack that for you as a five-year-old or a 33-year-old, you'd have no idea what they were talking about. So with Jesus' desire to bring his message to all people, he has to first explain those who are willing to pursue it. So let's continue on in Mark 4, uh, chapter, or verse 10. When he was alone, speaking about Jesus, those who were around him, along with his, the twelve, asked him about the parables. So it's not just the twelve, it's anybody that desired to follow Jesus more. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, those not here, everything comes in parables. In order that they may look, indeed look but not perceive, and may indeed listen but not understand, so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. So for those who genuinely wanted to know the meaning of Jesus' teachings, they had to continue to follow him after the entertaining stories had ended. To these men and women, the one who continued to ask questions and were willing to sit and listen to the explanations, they were given the secret of the kingdom of God. It's a heck of a statement. We're going to talk a little bit more about what the kingdom of God was, but the secret of the kingdom of God, a kingdom where God is in charge, a theocracy. To those who were satisfied to simply be entertained for a moment, to hear a story about a sower and some seeds, to listen to the miracle man's booming voice while they hung out with their friends and their family, and then they went back to their lives not really sure what he was talking about, unwilling to spend any more time to get to know the truth. To them, God gave them exactly what they desired. Look at Mark 12. They may indeed look but not perceive, may indeed listen but not understand, so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. God gave them what they wanted, to stay immersed in their own thoughts, surrounded by their own logic and wisdom, and to live the way that they deemed best. All right, so let's start piecing in some application here. In what category do you find yourself tonight? Do you genuinely want to know God's, what God desires to show you? Or do you prefer to remain in your own mind, surrounded by your own thoughts and emotions, your own view on what is right and what is wrong, 
your own desires for how to live and what to stay focused on. You desire to pursue God's will for your life or your own. It's a heck of a question, but the choice in all reality is ours. You know, we are given so many opportunities to hear truth. Think about it. Unrestricted access to the Word of God, the Bible. Endless sermons and teachings, podcasts galore, millions of books on the God of the Bible, small groups focused on knowing God in a natural world that testifies to a creator, and the list goes on and on. Our creator has inundated or surrounded, immersed his world, this world, with so many opportunities for us to glimpse and grasp absolute truth. Truth that does not change regardless of who you are, when you live, or what's going on in your life. He's given us the ability to grasp a truth that radically changes people's lives and can positively influence our culture and our world as a whole. You know, Jesus puts it this way in John 8, 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continued in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will make or set you free. You know, there's so many stories in this room where we're at right now about freedom that is available through the truth that Jesus brought to the world. You know, freedom from addiction. I'm not gonna make us raise our hands, right? Freedom from addiction, broken relationships, hopelessness and despair, physical and mental illness, fear and anxiety towards what we cannot control. Those have have been bondage to so many of us in this room and other things as well. However, the the validity of Jesus' statement that he brought truth to set us free is sitting next to you tonight. Think about that. If we had the time to just sit and share our stories about how God has set us free, it would be all we would need to hear about the fact that Jesus is true and his truth still does what he has always claimed it will do. It sets us free. However, do you ever wonder like me, how can I really hear God's voice for this moment in my life? question that doubt ever pop into your mind he's so far removed he's so big there's no way that I could actually hear him speak to me about what he desires you know maybe like maybe like me you can look back on your life and see one or two bright moments when God spoke directly to you those times where it's just there's like a fork in the road things utterly changed because God spoke but you've come to see those as rarities something that may never occur again or maybe you can spot any of the you can't spot any of those moments when God spoke directly into your life and simply assume that God isn't working like that anymore. He's changed. Either way we see the Bible is it's as interesting, but at the same time kind of boring, a bit confusing and way outdated. God used to work in cool ways, but now he has taken a back seat to his approach to creation. All we have now is a book of interesting stories and rules that have real no, really no connection besides the Ten Commandments. Right? They used to be in schools. We used to learn them. But there's no connection besides those to the actual choices I make in my day-to-day life. Bottom line, do you ever ask the question, this side of heaven, will God really ever speak to me? I guarantee, back to the chapter in Mark, I guarantee this is a question that people back in Jesus' days were asking as well. 
So for the first century Jew, the people that were alive during the time that Jesus was there, God had not resided in their temple for over 500 years. And there is no recorded history of God sending a legitimate prophet for over 400 years. Malachi to Matthew, those 400 years is often referred to as the silent period or the silent years. And so this means that the people hearing Jesus' parables were probably wondering the same thing. Will God ever show up again and speak truth into our lives? Truth that applies to us here and now. You know, Jesus seems to answer this question with more parables. He's a tricky one. Mark four twenty one through 23. He said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under the bushel basket or under the bed and not on the lampstand? For there is nothing hidden except to be disclosed, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Let anyone with ears to hear listen. So take a moment to picture a lamp in a dark room. You put up that picture, Michael. It was created to bring light. It was not created to be hidden under a basket or a bed or a semi. Its purpose is to be used to make reality visible, to allow one to see what is really around them, to guide them as they move. The same is true of the message that Jesus brought in the book of Mark. He is not sharing the gospel to keep truth hidden. He is sharing it to bring light, to bring to light truth from God that will change the world. It's just up to the listeners to truly want to understand. Go to Mark 24 and 25. He said to them, pay attention to what you hear. The measure you will give, measure you give will be the measure you get. And still more will be given to you. For to those who have, more will be given. And from those who have nothing, no desire to seek it, even what they have will be taken away. Now he continues to elaborate with another parable. Let's look at verse 26 and 20 through 29. He also said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day and the seed would sprout and grow. He did not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. You know, the kingdom of God that Jesus referred to earlier most likely refers to a world that is ruled by God as its king. The people in Jesus' day would have been immediately thinking about Israel during the reign of King David and Solomon. It was a time of God's utter sovereignty over all nations and incredible prosperity. Using the parable of scattering seeds, Jesus states that the kingdom is on its way regardless of what people do. It's up to the individual to desire to pursue God and his truth, but it's up to God to cause the results of the pursuit to occur. Just like a farmer who plants is completely out of control to bring crop to maturity, once God has planted the seed for his kingdom, he is the one who brings it to fruition, to maturity. For the listener, God's kingdom is on its way due to God's power, not man. You know, and there's one last parable, and we're rolling through this, and I promise you we'll get the application, so stick with me a little bit longer. The reason why I spend so much time in the Bible, any guesses? Because it's the eternal word of God, ladies and gentlemen. You don't need to hear from me. You should be zoning out when I'm talking about application. You should be focusing when I'm giving you the word of God, because this is what has lasted for decades and centuries and millennial, and it comes true generation after generation after generation and it changes people's lives because it's directly from the word 
It's directly from God himself. All right, anyway. So in the last parable, we see that God will produce, what God will produce from small beginnings. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. There's a picture of a mustard seed in a man's hand. We start out, what starts out as minuscule, almost imperceptible, in the eyes of all people will grow into something of substance and worth. Through the kingdom, of, though the kingdom of God seems small and was non-existent in the eyes of the first century people, the one that Jesus was talking to, it would grow exponentially to provide much to the world. So through these three parables, we see that to those who stayed close to Jesus and pushed into, in deeper to his message, Jesus assured them that they had access to the secrets of the kingdom of God, of what God was bringing into the world. These things would someday be significant to all people. All right, so let's move to some application. You know, the same is true for us as well. If you desire to know God's thoughts for your life, right here, right now, and the decisions you make, today, tomorrow, the bigger decisions that come, it is similar to light in a dark room. It's set up to guide and direct. You know, in Psalms 119, David puts it this way. Your word not just the Bible, but God's word, however it comes, is a lamp to my feet and a life to my path. The unfolding of your words gives light and it imparts understanding to the simple. God's guidance is not made to be secret. The God who made you and I desires for us to understand what he is saying to you right here, right now. It is for all who wish to pursue it, those who are willing to seek it out. You know, with the death and resurrection of Jesus, the idea of the kingdom of God moved from physical concept to spiritual. We see this in Colossians 1. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. This is Jesus. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. There's that kingdom. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You know, Jesus' sacrificial offering of his life for the sins of mankind allows a spiritual renewing for all who trust in Jesus. With this spiritual cleansing, taking what's dead and breathing life into it, God plants a seed in the individual soul. It's the Holy Spirit. The individual soul now belongs to the kingdom of God. So go back to the wheat analogy. Similar to the farmer scattering seed and allowing the earth to bring it to fruition, once we have the Spirit, once our soul has been cleansed due to our belief in God and what he did through Jesus, God continually brings about change in our life. Maybe you've heard the word sanctification before. It's like the Spirit's job according to the Bible. He renews our mind, transforms our lives through the truth he brings us. So once you've accepted Christ, you get the Spirit, that seed within you that will allow things to grow regardless of if you know they're happening or not, and eventually turn you into something 
altogether unique and beautiful. He brings your unique talents and your beauty to a fuller state of expression. We are not the ones who bring about genuine change in our lives. Hear that, please. You are not the one that can change your life. It is God through his spirit. What is incredible is that the change is not only in the small, minuscule things. Think about the mustard seed in our lives. Through, through God changing the small things, a transformation of major substance and worth occurs. Like the mustard seed turning into the greatest of all shrubs, God's truth in your mind and heart through his spirit, though it starts small, can utterly change your life and influence those around you. Again, if we had time, I guarantee you would have stories to share about that happening. Where the smallest idea or command, a desire to you follow God with obedience was planted into your heart, into your mind, and from that, days, weeks, months, years later, you're utterly different. So, with all that Jesus just told us through these parables, through my interpretation of these parables, why does understanding God's desires for you in this moment very rarely occur? You know, as incredible as it sounds, by looking at our lives and our experience with God, it may seem a bit too good to be true. For followers of Jesus, we have the Spirit within us, so why don't we hear His guidance daily? If you have the Spirit of God living within you, why don't you, like me, hear his guidance on a daily basis? You know, it seems like Jesus answers this question in another parable as well. In the parable of the sower, the first one that we read tonight. We'll quickly read the uh, explanation that he gives us in 13. And he said to them, to those who were around him seeking truth, do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones on the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root and endure for a little while. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Next slide, please. And others are those sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of, the, of wealth and the desire for things other, for other things come in and choke the word and it yields nothing. And these are the ones sown on the good soil. They hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. 30, 60, and 100 fold. All right, so he takes time to explain it. So the seed is the word. Think about God speaking truth, eternal truth from a a being that sees past, present, and future all as one. The word that he speaks is just pure gold. And this is the seed in the parable. It's a word spoken to individuals by the Creator through the Holy Spirit. Words given to grant them life and to give them a deeper understanding and guidance, to show them truth. But three things can steal them away. First one, Satan. You know, we... uh, If you gave me another hour, I would go into all these in depth, so we're going to cruise through them. But it's crucial to remember that there is a war going on for the souls of humanity, for your soul, for my soul. The whole Bible explains it from start to finish. 
You know, read Genesis 1, 2, and 3, see what happens in 3, and then skip to Revelation and see what's going on at the end of time. It's a war for the souls of humanity. The kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Satan. Light versus dark, good versus evil. God is sovereign, but due to our choices, free will, evil entered the world and continues to fester. Satan's desire is to blind us from seeing God's truth, to deafen our ears from hearing his voice. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. A lot more should be said about this, but just know that Satan is a deceiver and he exists in this world and he is here to do just that, to try to blind our eyes, harden our hearts from truth that can utterly change our own lives and our world. If we want to know God's desires for us, we must be willing to fight against the deceptions. A major way to fight against the God of this world is through the use of our time, how we spend the minutes and the hours we've been given. Now let's take a little bit deeper look at the idea of time by the next two elements of this parable. You know, if you can go back to um, those verses, Mark 4, 16. Now you're already there. Let's go back one, if you wouldn't mind. 16 and 17. Thank you. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root and endure only for a while. Then... When trouble or persecution arise on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And please don't think that the seed that he is planting is only the Holy Spirit. Right? That's the initial seed that is the most important seed. But for those of us who have the Holy Spirit, God is continually planting seeds in the soil of your soul. Right? And one of the main things to take it away, if you wouldn't mind going back and just staying on it, is this idea of laziness our unwillingness to give more time to seek and ponder his truth. You know, we read a verse, we hear a line in a sermon, or we sense the Spirit nudging us, this thought, this feeling, and we see that God is speaking directly into our lives. It's an amazing experience. I know you guys have them. We do. But unfortunately, apart from the initial joy, often we don't take the time to truly ponder how it relies to us right here and now. We don't take time to consider that this just came directly from your creator, the one that knows you intimately, loves you profoundly, and understands what lies ahead of you. Instead, we just enjoy the feeling and we go on with our life or maybe we write it down into a journal and we never read it again. You know, inevitably, the brokenness of this world confronts us. And instead of relying on the message from our Creator, we simply re- react with our natural tendencies, our emotions. You know, maybe yours is anger, maybe yours is to be shy, maybe yours is to go into doubt and depression. If we would have recognized the incredible fact that we had received guidance from the one who controls everything, and taking the time to dwell on it and commit to following it, then we would have reacted in an entirely different way when that trouble, when that persecution arose. I'm going to give you some examples, but let's go on to the uh, next thing that can arise. It's distractions. You know, a large 
major reason we are lazy in seeking God's truth is because we are distracted by the shiny things in this world. There's so many shiny things, aren't there? It says in Mark 4, 18 and 19, and others are those sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, God's truth in your life for that moment, and it yields nothing. You know, the shiny things in this world are always catching our eye. The desire to be liked, the desire to have nice things, to have money in our bank account, whether you want a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand, we all have our number. To be proud of our intelligence or our beautiful body that we work so hard to maintain, or our hard work ethic that came to us from our parents, and I am worthwhile because I work hard, so therefore I must continue to work hard. All of these take our time, both physically and mentally. Instead of devoting time and thoughts to seeking God's guidance, we fill our days with a focus on the cares of the world. How we use our time, what we dwell on, becomes our priority. Hear that, understand that. Our priority so often is determined by our time and how we use it. Whatever you put your time and energy into is what your life will become. So let me give you some examples. Start small. Um, Maybe it's just a seed in your mind to love people. You know, if you have a spouse or kids or a roommate, maybe God, like he has with me so many times, asks you to do the dishes while your spouse or your roommate is not there. Like, dang. First off, I don't want to take the time to think about that because if I thought about that, then I would come to verses like, Jesus came not to be served but to serve. Holy cow, like the Son of God came down not to be served but to serve. So what about me as I'm sitting here watching a baseball game and there's a whole sink full of dirty dishes that my wife has been making food with, who am I to serve that? So I can just put that back because I've worked hard today. I can be distracted by what's in front of me because that's her job. That's what she does. That's what he does. I don't need to worry about doing that. I don't need to worry about forgiving somebody God desires me to forgive. They don't deserve forgiveness. Why would I ever invite them back into my life with a loving embrace after this, what they've done to me? It has nothing to do for me, for the good of my well-being. Maybe it's bigger things. God asks you to give money, small or large. You know, we don't take the time to look through the Bible and see that nothing we own is ours, but it's all God's. Every single cent that is in my bank account has nothing to do with me, but it's all because God has allowed me to have it. But I don't want to look at that. It's much easier for me to be distracted by the fact that this person can get money if they work. If they weren't so lazy, they could have their own money. That's how I got my money. Or quitting your job, moving to a new place, abandoning a habit of smoking or drinking or pornography or whatever. It's so easy not to go deeper and to be distracted by the shiny lures of this world. And so we don't allow this seed to germinate, to grow into anything. And we're just stuck in the same world that we've always been in, even though God himself desired to set you free. You know, if we desire to be like the soil in Mark 4.20, last verse, and these are the ones sown... Oh, Sorry, one back. 
No, you're good. Thank you, Michael. And these are the ones sown on the good soil. They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30 and 60 and a hundredfold. You know, if this is what we desire our lives to become, we must be willing to devote our time and mental energy to seeking God's guidance. I understand that you're busy. I do. I'm guessing most of you are busy. Maybe not all of you. Anybody in here not busy? Okay. Right? That's the world we live in. And I know this. I have two kids under the age of four who had double ear infections over the last month. Right? I know how that goes. I was up at 11 and 4 this morning. Right? Life is crazy. I own my own business and I love to have fun. I went climbing yesterday instead of reading the Bible. Right? Because I love to have fun and there's only so much time in my day. It's almost as if we don't have enough extra time for God. But we have to remember what God is offering you. Your creator, through what we've just read, is offering to give you something absolutely mind-boggling. To bring your unique talents that he gave you, your giftedness, to an even better state. Like Think about the things that you're good at. That It just seems a little odd, but it just comes to you naturally. And people tell you this. God desires for that to grow from something smaller into something so large that it can support so much around you. He desires to shape your mind and your belief into his form. The way that you were created by the all-powerful, all-knowing God, he wants you to think and see the world the way that he does. He wants to free you from the bondage of fear, anxiety, doubt, restlessness, addiction, selfishness. I know we all struggle with something. All of this is ours if we are willing to commit our time to him, more of our time. There are always moments of stillness to be found in every day to seek God. I promise you that. I don't care how busy you are. There are always moments of stillness. Now, please understand that I'm not saying this is just listening to somebody like me or reading somebody else's words. What I'm saying is seeking the Creator Himself through His Spirit and through His words. Let me give you some examples of how this works. Simply, the moment you awake. God, my mind is yours. My time is yours, whatever you desire of me. Simple but profound way to start your day. The 15 minutes in the morning before your kids wake up, if you have them, or before you go to school, or before you have to go to work. 15 minutes reading the Bible. Day after day after day. Your drive to work. You don't have to listen to the radio. You don't have to listen to some sort of talk show. You can simply... Ask God, what do you want from me today? Whatever happens at work, God, I give it to you. I trust you. Help me to love those you put into my life. Say that over and over. Every stoplight you hit, God, I desire your desires for my life, not my own. Your lunch hour. While you run, work out, climb mountains, ride a bicycle, shoot, uh, practice, shoot, practice free throws for the basketball games coming up. It's a beautiful time for your body to be moving and your mind to be focused on your creator. God, you are my creator. It is you I seek. You are my creator. It is you I seek. Ten minutes before dinner, before your favorite show, a song during worship at church. Don't just sing. Spend that time with God. The moment before you fall asleep, God, I am here because of you and it is you that I desire to know more. 
You see what I'm saying here? There's so many moments throughout our days that we can seek to know God's truth. It's just up to us being willing to take the time to do it. You know, let's go to Mark 4.24. I may have to seek it out. I'll just read it for you, Michael. That's the one. Thank you. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. The measure you give, this isn't for salvation, the measure you give will be the measure you get and still more will be given to you. The more you seek God, the more you will hear his voice. Now, let me ask you those questions one more time, the ones I started with. Are you willing to set time apart to listen to what God has to say to you? Are you willing to take time to seek out his answers? Are you willing to stay quiet long enough in order to receive his word? Let me pray as these guys come up to finish us in song. God, thank you so much for your word, for sending your son to just demonstrate and to teach how we are to live. Um, Spirit, I know you're within within me and so many of us here. I ask that you would give us something to walk away with, something to ponder, something, just a deeper desire to know you and to hear your voice and to allow you to be our guide. Uh, we love you and we want more of you. Amen.